When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hola, and welcome to a big interview from the vault. Look, all right, no fooling around. We asked our socios, our members, our supporters at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter to pick their favourite from season two of this long running and I have to say much loved show. You're about to hear one of the interviews they picked as the best from a selection which included international footballers representing Germany, Italy, the Netherlands, Bulgaria, Argentina, England, Scotland and Northern Ireland. Here's what I had to say about this one when we recorded during season 2016-2017. You know... If things had worked out just a little bit differently for Chris Sutton, he would have ended up pushing pens and paper clips at Norfolk County Council rather than terrorising defenders in Scotland and England for over a decade. Chris uses the word character a lot, and we explore how his was forged. From an initial rejection by his home club Norwich, although not the club he supported, to his dad's boot camp approach to physical fitness brutally demanding, through his experiences as a promising young cricketer and a particularly uncompromising youth team coach at Norwich. Do you know what to top somebody is in football terms? Well, you're about to find out. Nothing came easy for Chris, but it made him grow up fast, survive and thrive, first in a prodigious Norwich side under Mike Walker, which earned him a British transferred record switch to Blackburn age 21. Where did he nearly go instead? Well, you'll find out here. What happened next became one of the most epic tales in Premier League history. Paired with Alan Shearer up front in that memorable SAS partnership, Chris's Blackburn won the 1994-5 title ahead of Sir Alex Ferguson's Manchester United. He also compares and contrasts his relationship with Shearer to that of Henrik Larsson, with whom he formed a telepathic understanding at Martin O'Neill's Celtic. This, I believe, is a side of Chris Sutton that not many folk have heard before. Sit back and enjoy. Part of the great joy of the beginning of this big interview is that we're overlooking a football pitch. And uh, Chris Sutton, I, I don't know if it means the same to you, given that you graced lots of football pitches in your life as a professional sportsman. But for anybody who adores football the way I do, 
even to see a, a naked, empty stadium gives you a buzz. And um, it's got me thinking about, again, how much I'd have liked to have been on that pitch, how much I'd like to have had a career like yours. But it's slightly special because this is your, you're associated with so many different things. This is your hometown club that you're, that you're looking back out at. And uh, I, I presume there's still a, a nostalgia and a sentiment when you look on this blustery, grey, windy day out into that beautiful green pitch. There is with the, with the stadium, with the club, more, I would say, with, with the area. I wasn't born in, um, in, in Norwich. I was born in Nottingham, but always brought up in, uh, well, brought up in, in Norwich, a little village just outside. And uh, I used to, I used to support Nottingham Forest, actually, mm. in their, in their t- glory years, Brian Clough, the European Cups. I didn't jump on the bandwagon. I was born in Nottingham, that's why I supported them. But then I used to, I used to follow Norwich. And mm. uh, the amazing thing is at Norwich, unlike a lot of cities which, uh, which I've been to, in my view, is most of the people do support mm. the local club. It's a, it's a one, one club county. It's the only uh, club in the county. Their nearest rivals are, are Ipswich, which is sort of a, a fair bit away, 45. Ooh, I don't know if you're allowed to mention them. 40, 45 miles. <laughs> and I had a, had a great time here. But the funny thing is I was released by Norwich when I was sort of 12 years old. I went on, my, on a trial and I never, I never really ex- expected to get taken on the second time because I'd had, I'd had the rejection. There was a, uh, a centre of excellence, as, as they mm-hmm. were called then. I went down for a trial for a couple of months. I have to say, I didn't like the rejection mm. at all. And I started to take cricket more seriously. Mm. And I used to just play football locally and for, for uh, my school. But I actually took cricket a, a little bit more seriously. I, you know, I'm not saying I was a brilliant cricketer, but I was good when I was younger. And uh, I played for the county. And I played a level up from the county, which was um, for the Midlands in a festival called the Bunbury, Bunbury Festival. Oh, yeah, famous, yeah. Um, but then I... I sort of learned extremely quickly that there were other boys there who were far better technically. And, you know, boys like um, Mal Loy, I think, who played yeah. county cricket, Jeremy Snape. This was your generation? This was my generation, yeah. Wow. You know, I, I have to say it was, a, it was an eye-opener because even though I was scoring a lot of runs at county level, I could see that technically these boys were a lot better in short, I couldn't play the short ball, which, which was, you know, as you go up the levels, people find you out and, uh, you know. Technically or psychologically you could? Uh, technically. Uh-huh. I think, you know, through coaching, I mean, sort of the old, old school coaching was, they were obviously coached differently and better than me and, you know, far more natural uh, probably. But, you know, I used to be a bit of a, a front, front foot dogger. Okay. <laughs> Get on the front. Not a Chris Tavares. No, 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 slightly more yeah. adventurous yeah, than yeah. You know, so I'm. You know, you get up to the to the higher echelons of the level, and this would have been uh, it was an under fifteen festival. Yeah. And I was sort of found out. You used a phrase that you didn't enjoy the rejection um, yeah. at Norwich, but you had this repertoire as the second chance. Was that? Mostly to do with you or the club or your dad? All things. I was, I was playing, uh, I'd taken my GCSEs and I had uh, two elder sisters and an elder brother and they all went on and took A-levels uh, and I was a bit of a black sheep in the family in terms of I wasn't 
a great trier at school. I was told um, in uncertain terms that, you know, I, I you know, wasn't trying hard enough and the best thing for me to do would be to go out and get a job. Mm-hmm. Um, and this all coincided in a very short space of time. I actually went for a, a job as a, a clerk of... Uh, Norfolk County Council. Gosh. So where I could have ended up. Oh my lord! <laughs> there, is and, in, uh, there is indeed a god. Well done. Yeah, yeah. And uh, this was a, a, a multiple choice exam in in. Uh, Would you like A, <laughs> English League Division One, or B, push pens and paper clips? You know, I can't. Yeah. Well, I don't think I don't think you're far off. Uh, but anyway. Somehow I got the job, but in in this space of time, what had happened is, is I was playing for my uh, school in the county cup competition, and I did quite well. Our school team got through to the semi-finals, and there was a local coach who was affiliated with Norwich City, a fellow called Graham Wren, and he came to watch me. I scored a hat-trick in the semi-final. I think that was against Caister, uh, which is near Yarmouth. In the final, we played Yarmouth, and I scored a hat-trick in the final, and then... They asked me down for another trial. Norwich did. And I didn't. This was at the end of the season. So it was a very brief, very brief trial. And the manager, Dave Stringer, who was the first team manager at the time, had come to watch me subsequently a couple of months earlier. Not specifically me, but a group of lads playing at Yarmouth. And again, at that stage, he you know, thought I wasn't good enough. So they, essentially what happened at the end of the season, within a, a brief spell, they took a massive chance on me to give me a YTS youth training scheme, mm. £29.50 mm-hmm. the first year, £35 the second year. And in those years since I had been rejected, which was, I'd be 30, 13, 14, 15, 16, my dad, who was, you know, definitely... The, by far the biggest influence on me in terms of fitness and pushing me. He was very, I don't use the word brutal, but he would, you know, give me a kick up the backside. He was my, my school teacher. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was very hard on me. It's a dynamic. If I, if I got praise, it was quite rare. I mean, I remember him refereeing a school game once and I went down injured and... Uh, he, he, he would never give. He would never give me any favours. Never, never do me any favours. And I think that was part of him being a teacher in front of the other boys as well. You know, even when I was doing well, and you know, I was, I was, you know, one of the best players in the team. I, you know, without being big-headed, but I was. But he wouldn't. He, he, he wouldn't give me praise in front mm. of anybody. And uh, if I went down injured, he'd tell me to get up. And but in terms of fitness, and you know, I'm. You've seen me play. Never the quickest at all. You know, I was never the fastest at school. I was never the most athletic. Uh, you know, far from it. But in terms of those years, the grounding which he gave me in fitness, I think, set me up and, and was possibly the biggest part of why I got on, I think, and made it. And then also, once I'd got in there at 16, 17, the boys who had made the steps and signed schoolboy forms, 13, 14, 15, who, who had an affiliation with the club. I can't, well, I can say this, but I felt psychologically that they expected it to be a natural mm. progression. That's, that's what I felt. And I felt when I went down there that I was psychologically, I, I, I 
And it's easy to say I wanted it more than them, but I was hungry. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want that to pass, to pass me by that opportunity again. And so I had all those things into the mix. We had a youth team coach who I despised. But subsequently, since I, you know, when I'd progressed and moved on, and now when I've finished my career, and, you know, I understood what it was, what it was all about. And uh, so he was hard, he pushed me. I mean, he topped me once badly, which was, you know, another reason why I didn't like him. He used to train with us. He gave us a, a nasty injury. Top, uh, I mean, coming through yeah, over the ball. Yeah, and I had a bad, I was out for a, a, a while with it, but... Looking back, I can I can understand it because you know I was I was quite chippy myself, <laughs> and I think I'd have topped me. I actually think the best thing which ever happened to me was getting booted out. That's my opinion, and yeah. I, you know it's very individual, and you know you could reel off to me quite easily numerous boys who who have started off at young ages and gone all the way through the system, but um, you know some boys are, are far more naturally. Talented, but Larson had to fight though. Like, you know, um, he went to Holland and played at a played out a position, fired, yeah. went to the tribunals, uh, risked everything. But in terms of being a natural athlete, you know, he was, you know, he's a lovely specimen. But he was, I, I thought he was a natural athlete. Where you know, we'd all have to go away on the family holidays, and I'd be away running, you know, keeping myself fit. He could go away all summer, um, and sit on the beach and still come back and, and beat everybody. I, I understand. <laughs> and, uh, I, I thought Norwich was a really good club to be brought up at in terms of people talk about the West Ham way, not necessarily the Norwich way, but people locally would. And mm. Norwich used to produce a lot of, lot of boys. We used to do a lot of keep balls in training. And then if you were doing well in the youth team, there was a space in the reserves, purely mm-hmm. because of squad size. Mm-hmm. Doing one in the reserves, you were the next one into the first team. And that's, that's essentially how I got into the first team. Now, I don't know if you can remember or not, and I also am not completely sure whether I've got my facts right, but once you break into the Norwich team, is that your first experience of Alan Shearer in uh, February 1992? And what game would that be? Norwich against Southampton? All I would say is that Norwich beat Southampton, and a little birdie tells me, I'm sure accurately, there's a good chance you did play centre-half in that game, whether yeah. it was auxiliary or yeah. whatever. Clearly your talent at centre-half was something that, particularly I love the phrase when you said I could read the game. That's beautiful for centre-half because that's what we maybe sometimes would have called a sweeper. But yeah. in February 1992... One of the guys who'd have an impact in your life, your career, what you won. I think you. I did. I, I, can, I can remember playing against uh, Alan. I can remember, it was here, and I hope I've got my facts right. But no, it, it was here. No, of course it, it, it was. It, yeah, it was a Carrow Road, and all I can remember about Alan, and little things stick in your mind, is how strong he was. Hmm. Literally, how, how how strong he was. You know, when people back in and. Uh, you know, defenders, you're, you know, trying to be aggressive and thinking he's like a wall. And he, he you know, Alan isn't someone you look at who, you know, is full of mu- big muscles mm. bulging, but he was, he was a powerhouse. He wasn't a, he wasn't a, uh, a, a at that stage uh, in terms of goals, he wasn't a, 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 a goal machine, but he was a good, he was a powerful runner, you know, as well. He used to run 
the, the channels. And I, but I remember him just for that reason and thinking, blimey, mm. in terms of his, his, his physical strength, I think, you know, he's, he, he's a handful. The next experience of um, Alan Shearer, but not just him, is our first big experience of Blackburn Rovers. Now, that doesn't go so well. 7-1. Yep. I, I, I remember that game. Uh, well, we finished third that season and we had a negative goal difference. Uh, <laughs> we did. Thanks to this. I was, uh, that's why Mike Walker moved me up front uh, the following season. Uh, well, it wasn't. But, but the 7-1 game was at Ewood. My centre-half partner was Ian Butterworth. Yeah. I learned a lesson that day. Another, it was a good lesson, actually. We got beat 7-1. I, I didn't cover myself in glory, but neither did Ian Butterworth. And I think Ian Butterworth came back and did the local press and said that I told Chris Sutton to keep his head up after the game. And I thought, all right. <laughs> that was, uh, uh, you know, that was quite intelligent from, from him. All these things, when you're young, they're, you know, they're, they're on the pitch, off the pitch, you're, they're, 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 it's a learning curve, isn't it? Certainly my, my, my younger years, I think my time at Norwich, what evolved was I understood the mentality. I think I learned the, the mentality and, you know, in terms of not really suffering fools by the time I'd, uh, I'd left Norwich. And I could, you know, little things like the Butterworth thing where I could handle myself. What, what does that handle myself and not suffering fools mean? Does it, I don't think it means topping somebody in this. No, instance. I, don't, I think handle. It, Does it, it mean face to face having yeah, it out? Yeah, and uh, and standing your your ground. You know, at, when I had a, when I had a bad game um, or things went wrong, I, you know, I could I wouldn't argue my corner if, if I was doing badly, and mm. you know, I would I would take it, and then if I thought the manager was wrong in his criticism, I I would say. But, you know, those things didn't often overlap because normally the manager was right. So, you know, I was, I was very honest yeah. about my... Uh, very, very objective uh, about my own performance. Very objective. Nor- Norwich is a glorious time. You fin- finished third. The European run is brilliant, but it... No pressure. Respect, it's not the... It's not the mm. No pressure. And, well, there wasn't any pressure because... Because you seem to be punching above your weight as a club. And Norwich play Manchester Manchester United, who expects Norwich to win? Norwich play Liverpool, who expects... We pumped Liverpool. Pumped Liverpool 3-0. Yep. Uh, Beat Bayern Munich. Yep. And, well, uh, I mean, and you can imagine, I mean, there's, you know, probably the best era Norwich have had. You know, people talk Arsenal lose in the the week to Bayern Munich and... You know, I think Norwich were, were one of the only teams to beat, certainly in the Olympic, Olympic Stadium. Stadium yeah. We did have a good team, and I was, I was very lucky. And when I say I was lucky, I was lucky that we had players in the team who, that season, 94-95, I scored 25 league goals, and that was really my breakthrough season. Um, that was 93-94, sorry. Mm. No, I, got, I got that wrong. Uh, 94, 95 was Blackburn. Mm. But that 93, 94 set me up the season. And I played with a player called Ian Crook, mm-hmm. and uh, who, who used to have a little routine with free kicks. And I used to score, but he used to be so perfect with his delivery. Essentially, that was, that was him who's you know, making the goals where he'd put the ball down, he'd look up, I'd make a movement. He'd put it in, and I'd, I'd scored a few goals that season like that. 
And really, you know, I was lucky to, because had he not been able to execute that pass so perfectly, I had a good relationship with, uh, with, with, with Rule Fox. Rule Fox, obviously a big um, impact, yeah. a, You know, where had a really good understanding uh, centre-forward play. People talk about, you know, just playing the single centre-forward. We always used to work in, in partnerships. And I always felt I was, I was always far more effective in a partnership with, with uh, a certain type of player. And I used to, I think, you know, look, if I look all the way back through my career, I was a focal point. I first went into the team with Robert Fleck. I didn't play a lot of games with him. A player I used to like playing with or we used to be very effective was Efna Kuku. Efna Kuku, if you watched him in a five-a-side, you'd think he'd he'd probably won a raffle to come and train with you. You know, he was that bad. But give him space to run into... It, it, for me, he was perfect because you, you, you know, you didn't have to be exact. You'd flick balls on, hook balls on. He scored four goals at Goodison. I mean, and, you know, he, he's actually a good finisher. But he, you know, he suited me. He wasn't a, a, a clever player. We had him playing in a sort of end of season Sky five or say not that long ago. Not very good at our level, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Because it's been a successful YTS progression and you've worked your way up to an elite position, finishing third in the league with Norwich and doing well in Europe. Being signed by Blackburn or by Kenny Douglas, I don't know how you categorise it, is your first experience of that. Yeah. And one, I wonder what that's like. Two, 
although you were free-scoring and successful, how much did the old-fashioned remedy of playing them twice, playing Blackburn twice, winning 3-2 at Ewood and scoring twice, and then drawing 2-2 here and scoring twice, playing with 10 men for the whole of the yeah. second half against Blackburn Rovers. You've had four and two games, and that used to be the... It's certainly in Britain. Somebody's played well against you, you sign them. You sign them. Yeah. Your first decision about who to sign is up, who's given us a hard time? Let's A, let's trust what we saw then, and B, let's stop them giving us a hard time by signing them. Those are two questions. What was it like, and what role specifically did those two games play? I think they played a big, big part. I thought my mentality... I used to, at that age, I used to really believe my own hype. In Norwich, I used to buy the newspapers every day because, you know, there's a lot of speculation that I would be moving on the back and linked with, you know, linked with everyone, you know, essentially. And, uh, you know, I could have have gone anywhere in England and that's, I would have to agree a fee, clubs have to agree Mm. a fee. Ultimately, Arsenal and Blackburn... Uh, with the two clubs which agreed the fee, but, but Manchester United, you know, they were in contact. Uh, Liverpool were in contact. You know, all the all the big clubs were in contact. But that season, I was so full of it that you, you know, it, which was such an asset. I, you know, I didn't think I, I, I believed the hype. I don't know whether, whether big-headed is a is a way to to describe. But I was so full of confidence. Uh, Arsenal and Blackburn had agreed the five million. The five fee. million. So so so, so they've done the deal with, with Norwich. And uh, so, that's a oh, statement in itself. Two clubs saying yeah. yeah. They, they, never mind you. Was it big-headed or not? Two clubs going yeah. British record fee. No problem. He's worth it. Sir Alex Ferguson had phoned my, my dad, who was a school and, and spoken to him I'd spoken to Liverpool I'd you know, spoke to, the, to them all but you know agreeing the fee it was a lot of money back then it was a, a, it was a record fee and then so you know, the, the, the choice was and in a short space of time I had to make my mind up but Blackburn had finished second uh, that season when we'd gone to play in Blackburn or, or up north there was a perception from where we are in Norfolk, that it, you know, it's grim up north. It always rains. It's uh, it's Scotland, it's, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, that that was the you know that was the but that that didn't bother me. It wasn't because I, I always liked Arsenal. I always liked Highbury. But Blackburn were the side in the ascendancy. Blackburn were the side pushing. Obviously, the, the opportunity to play with with Alan mm. and speaking to 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 Kenny well, as a player, someone who you know, if you're a young footballer mm. growing up. The opportunity to sign for him was was, uh, was too good. Jack Walker was buying all the uh, best players about. I mm-hmm. mean, he put it like that without mm-hmm. being sort of big-headed. All the high-profile players: yeah. Paul Warhurst, Tim yeah. Flowers, uh, uh, Graham Lasso. Shearer had gone in, uh, yeah. you know, earlier. And and you know, so but added to that, they'd still kept. Stuart Ripley, the Jason Wilcox, Tim Sherwood was a player. I used to clean Tim's boots at Norwich, but because um, Norwich weren't expected, Norwich exceeded expectations. Yeah. Yeah. But Blackburn were pushing big money, record fee. We all know in this day and age, you know how you get scrutinised, and I was scrutinised. So before I'd even kicked a ball at Norwich, where all the press had been extremely positive um, before, when I'd moved to Blackburn, gone for the fee. Well, then you know. They, there were elements of negativity. That's first, the first time I'd ever experienced it. First time I'd ever experienced nice. it. Did, yeah. I, did I like it? No. Uh, so, so there was that. And so in that respect, I wanted to prove myself. Was I, was I certain? Well, you, you know, you walk out 
over the white line on it, but you're, you're never certain how it's going to go. So I went into a, a good team. We had good wingers. I d- didn't have a brilliant pre-season, but we started the season strongly. The other thing I had to contend with, I, I think, and bearing in mind I was 21, mm. uh, is essentially I'd, I'd felt a little bit of awkwardness because I'd gone in and I'd taken Mike Newell's place. Yeah. And Mike was friends, good friends with Alan, with Alan and, yeah. uh, and, and, and Tim Flowers. And I never felt... If I'm being totally... I never felt totally comfortable with it. They, both of them were absolutely fine. I got, you know, absolutely fine. And there was always a perception sort of through the, uh, the time I played with Alan that we didn't get on. Well, we did. But we just, you know, didn't go to the, you know, the pub for, yeah. <laughs> for meals. So that was, that was never... And I think people made far too much of that. Everybody got on OK. But I think I felt a little bit... A bit, I'd say, I'd say awkward. Uh, but I always wanted to, you always want to earn respect from prove, prove yourself. Mm-hmm. Of course, on the pitch, uh, on the you know, on a Saturday afternoon, but in training for people to, that's that's personal pride. Some people won't understand if, if I'm right that the imprint of Kenny on that club wasn't necessarily what he gave to you as a group every day in a training ground. More of that was Ray Harford's job. Yeah. What was the interaction between the two of them? As let's say you tuck your first three, four, five months under your belt at Blackburn, you're learning, you understand, you've been very successful, um, you really are a steam train at that stage. What are you seeing the two men do, and what is their imprint on that first half season for you? Uh, the, the imprint in, in their time, because that was Kenny's year, uh, and uh, he left, didn't he? Uh, the imprint was uh, there's your leader, there's your coach. The, the leader, Kenny, delegates to the coach how we train, and, and Kenny would, you know, would be there most of the time. And that, would, that was how it, how it worked. You know, that, that, that was the way. I, I still don't have a problem with that to this day. You know, amazing. It's a big, it's a big it's a criticism leveled at Martin O'Neill. You know, Martin O'Neill isn't a coach, people say. But Martin O'Neill earned the right to get in his position as a manager. He did the hard yards at, 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 at Wickham. The, the, one, the one missing link in this part is do, do people who criticise that type of manager, who doesn't, it's not true to say they don't go on the, the training, but Martin O'Neill would tell Steve Walford what mm-hmm. to do. Kenny Dalglish would tell Ray Harford what to do. So surely that amounts to the same. Charles Ferguson would tell yeah, Steve McLaren exactly. or Brian Kidd so, or whoever. So it's, what the, to it's do. the same thing. Isn't it? And, ah. and, then, and then they are the overseer. And Kenny always had uh, an enormous presence. Of course, you respected him for what he did. But the most important thing is what comes out of his mouth. Mm. And, uh, and, and what came out of his mouth is that he knows the game and a lot of common sense. He would always have the players back. He would come out mm. to, to you guys in the press and, and say one thing. And behind closed doors, he would say another thing. He knew which buttons to press. He could be hard. He'd be truthful. What do you want as a player? You just want people to treat you okay. And I, w- I would describe him as a manager who the players, you know, would 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 he would have the meeting out of his hand. They would want want to play for him, want to please him. Yeah. If it, he wasn't one who would lavish uh, great praise all the time, but when you know when he did give you a bit of praise and you felt rewarded, just you know that 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 would be. He was one where you always felt that he was demanding more and more and more, and that there was always that bit where you always wanted to 
to please him more. And throughout that title-winning season, I mean, you had the sort of war of words to, I wouldn't call them grouchy old Scotsmen, <laughs> but... Uh, That's not that far wrong. Y- you know, the... Stadler and the, the, but, that, the, but some of their sort of spats were, you know... Do you want me to name them? Well, it's... not soon as it's Sir Alex Ferguson. Yeah, yeah Sir Alex Ferguson and... Uh, and okay. But, I mean, it was, uh, you know, they, they, were, they were both brilliant, really, the, you know, the way they both handled it. And it was sort of tit for tat, wasn't it? And, uh, I mean, it was, uh, you know, it was sensational. And, and, you know, Kenny's so dry, isn't he? The, the way he, you know. Very funny, man. Very great delivery. But, you know, in, in terms of, in terms of a, a leader, you know, he was absolutely a leader. And... You know, we nearly blew up at Blackburn and, mm. you know, we were ahead. Mm. But we couldn't have wished for... I, I never had the, you know, the, the luxury of playing under the right, but we couldn't have wished for a, a better figurehead in terms of looking at him. I don't know what he was thinking inside, feeling inside, but looking at him, and he was, immov- he was immovable. You know, he was solid. And we, you know, we, we were, we were, we were crumbling a bit. And, uh, you, you know, but... And his team talks never changed, uh, you know, and in terms of the confidence which he portrayed in us, I always felt that was, it was it, absolutely there. We all, knew our, we all knew our jobs pretty well. As I say, we weren't, you know, uh, we, we were effective. That's what we were. We were a very effective team. We had two, two good wingers who would cross balls in. Uh, we could be direct, but we were streetwise. The main thing is, is to have strong characters. I always felt we had characters, honest players, who, if they weren't getting enough out of each other, people like Tim Sherwood, Shearer, they would tell you. I think we went on a 10-match ten, ten unbeaten run, or a 10-match t- winning streak uh, throughout that season. But uh, we, we, were just, we were just steamroller sides, um, especially, at, you know, it seemed at home, my memory, in the early days. Um, and the other, the other thing which people forget about that season is we, were, we had two horrendous refereeing decisions against our direct rivals, Manchester United. You lost twice to United, but still won the championship. Yeah. Because of the West Ham, but blah, blah, blah. And then it's your champion of England. It's not a particularly emotional time. Well, the emotion was relief. Yeah. And, and relief because we, we nearly blew it. And so when the final whistle went to Anfield, uh, and this may be my personality, but, you know, uh, I, I did enjoy it. I didn't enjoy it straight after the final whistle. No. I enjoyed it probably a couple of days later, where where it had, had, had sunk in. But I, I you know, I, I think even going to Anfield on that day, uh, and this may sort of sum me up as a person. I was thinking, what you know, what if we didn't? What? Uh, but but you know, that is, in my view, that's a good driving force. It's a motor. But but but, but some some other, some other people would say the opposite, and I understand that. You said in this interview that people misinterpreted um, SAS, the famous SAS, that maybe there was um, ill feeling or you weren't chums, but I think your point was that it isn't essential to be booze and buddies and to share lots of interests away from the pitch to be exceptional if you're two good, intelligent footballers. And also, you know, you were talking about learning to cope with the fact that maybe you'd, you'd butted into a little happy foursome. Yeah. Because dressing rooms are built on guys who drink together or like to go to the horses together or play snooker together, whatever it might be. And you just had to cope with that. But let's try and compare and contrast your football relationship with Alan Shearer. 
Yeah. And your football relationship with somebody who you got on with completely differently away from the pitch in Henrik Larsson. Let's start by trying to understand um, how quickly it was that you and Alan meshed and you, not he, you understood exactly what you needed to do, what was best for the pair of you, and how quickly you did the same things with Henrik Larsson. You know, I did have a relationship off the pitch with Alan. Alan came to you know, it, it just isn't a big deal. I don't, you know, Alan would tell you the same. You know, he came to my house, I think, on a couple of occasions. He came to my wedding, so you know. So I, I just think that you know, the thing about best best mates. Did I have a close relationship in terms of did I go out, you know, off the pitch more with Henrik? Yes, mm. uh, but then I played with Henrik for four seasons. I played with Alan for two. In terms of different characteristics, uh, to me, I think that uh, you know the truth is, is is that they were both better players than me. You know, I knew my strengths. I think that they were they were far better that they were better individually. The difference between that, them, though, and what I'd say is, I always felt that their mentality, in terms of they they weren't afraid of missing, and you know, they didn't miss very much. But they weren't. I thought their mentalities were both extremely similar. And while I had an element of, well, a strong element of being ruthless, they were. They wanted to be number one. I also knew. I also knew what I was strong at, and I also knew what I was where I had a, a weakness. Uh, where I was had a weakness. You know, I knew my strengths. I knew my weaknesses. And my and so I would describe it as, if I was playing now as a number nine, up in between. Uh, two centre halves as teams play with one centre forward, then you know you don't need to be a rocket scientist to, to to work out that I wasn't the quickest. So you know my threat wouldn't be going in behind. I think teams who play that way, you know, with a number nine, I mean the greatest centre forward for me as a one would be Didier Drogba. Why? Because he has every single asset. He you know he has pace, he has strength, he can hold the ball up well. He's good in the air. I you know I always had that weakness. My comfort, or, or, or my comfort, came when I could play in a partnership. I had good awareness of what was around me. I could, I could create chances. Um, you know, whether <laughs> I don't know whether people think that about me a lot, but I was, you know, I was, I was a focal point. I could slide people in, um, and I, I used to really enjoy. I used to, re- I, you know, I liked it from my young days at Norwich. Uh, you know, linking up, and I, you know, I loved it. I, I liked it at Blackburn. And I think after the time I had at Chelsea, I had a really bad year at Chelsea where I lost a lot of confidence. I played with Gianfranco Zola. You think, mm-hmm. well, how can anybody fail playing with Zola? But, and I'm not trying to say I was the same type of player. Of course I wasn't. But we both used to like to come to the ball. We used to like to be a, you know, a focal point. I did actually better at Chelsea for a brief, brief spell when George Weir came. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he would play off me. And, but then... When I moved to Celtic and I had this partnership um, with Henrik, and you know, early on, early on at Celtic, I had the time at Chelsea. I, 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 we were on a pre-season tour of Germany, and I met Henrik. I went to see Henrik on the coach and just said, you know, I'm here, and I'd gone for a, even though, even though I devalued four million pounds in a season, I'd gone for a Scottish record fee, yeah. and I wondered what he would, you know, what he would be thinking. So, you know, I went to him on you know, the first first day I was there and just said. You know, I'm not a threat to you. I, you know, I'll, I'll play you in. You know, I want to have a good relationship. And uh, from that day on, 
you know, I, I, that, that was the time I enjoyed most uh, mm. in my footballing career. And I enjoyed it most because of the bad spell I'd had at Chelsea. So I actually appreciated what I had. And I talk about taking things for granted. And I, took, I did take things for granted because, you know, after I'd made the early breakthrough, I thought everything, you know, was, was going to, to be easy and natural. And even though I'd had dips and, you know, I was lucky enough, I won the Premier League, I was 21. Uh, in a partnership with Alan Shearer. But as I got older I, 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 um, and I'd developed and I'd had the bad time, I appreciate, I was thankful for what I had. I was thankful that I'd been given another opportunity. Uh, but the chance to play with someone as clever mm. as Henrik, and Henrik was extremely, extremely clever and gifted, you know, his natural type. But he was, and the other thing with Henrik is he was so unselfish with me. It was untrue. As unselfish as you were with him? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I, can, I can think about, you know, uh, 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 it's, you know, of course he's still wanting to be number one, but in terms of, you know, so many, I mean, a lot of players could say how many goals he, he, he created, but, you know, I just had, had that relationship with him where, you know, he, he knew if I was, I'd, I'd square the ball to him and he would do absolutely likewise, not, not think twice. You know, I was on my knees at the end at Chelsea because I was a laughing stock. When I started to enjoy my football again, mm. because I didn't enjoy not doing well, who would enjoy that? No. When I started to enjoy it again, I, actually, I was actually not angry with myself that I felt I coasted years, but I didn't appreciate what I mm. had. I loved it, I thrived, thrived on it. And then to play with, to, to have a partnership with Henrik Larsson, incredible. To bonus. In, in terms of walking out on a pitch and you know I had it with Shearer didn't appreciate it at 21 in terms of walking out on a pitch uh, against anybody any team in Europe whatever I used to I used to think and you know wouldn't wouldn't say it but used to think uh, you know I've talked a lot about being negative but I, I used to think we could trouble anybody mm-hmm. uh, we, we could without without saying it yeah. before the game we just think if we're, if we're at it we have, we have a good you know I, I know where you are you know where I am You've been very generous and open and interesting and funny. And um, this is part of the privileges of doing the job that we do. So thank you. Thank you. Fantastic. Pleasure. Thank you. Good stuff. Thank you for listening to The Big Interview. It's produced by me, which sounds egotistical, but it's also true. Graham Hunter and Backpage. Our music is by Beer Jacket, who else? Editing by Charlie McGarry. Thank you to our hosts at Acast and our loyal sponsors at Bet365. We're also supported by our socios. Find out how to become a socio, how to support us at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. Here endeth the lesson. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? 
They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 